0: The title of, today's, of tonight's sermon is The God Who Remembers, and it is based in, on Luke chapter 19 verses one through 10, the story of Zacchaeus. Um, as I was kind of reading through the passage and studying the passage, um, I was reminded of my grandmother. In our family, we thought, in Spanish, grandmother is abuela. Uh, but in my family, we didn't call my grandmother abuela, we called her abuela, just for short. I don't know why we have always called her like that, kind of like nana or mama or whatever, you know? And so, um, but that's how we called my grandmother. When um, I'll share my story yesterday, I don't know if I mentioned this, but because of the financial situation of my mom, my dad, the family, um, I, was, I actually was raised by my grandparents, so I lived with my grandparents for many, many years. And so, my abuela, my grandmother, she was like a mother to me. Um, and so, um, in I went to Colombia as a missionary in 2009-2010 uh, with uh, my wife and two of my kids at the time. And uh, But in 2012, um, while I was in uh, an indigenous tribe called the Guaybos, and uh, in the border of Venezuela and Colombia. That area is called Cumaribo. You can look it up if you want to fact check it. Now you can use Google, can okay? you? <laughs> anyway, um, but I was there and I was, I was called, by uh, my family called uh, a satellite phone that was in the village. Uh, that, I want, that they wanted me to come back to Florida because my grandma was in her last days. Now my grandma, um, you know, she was old, she had diabetes, had high blood pressure. But what really destroyed her was Alzheimer and dementia. And um, it was, I mean, she was just getting worse and worse and worse. And she would forget a lot of things and forget a lot of people, um, okay. But um, interestingly, she wouldn't forget me. They say because I was her favorite. I think I was her favorite. <laughs> but but that was that, that song of that. that um, but um, they called me to come to America to see her for the last time. So I came out of the jungle, um, went to our base, flew to America just for myself. My family stayed in Colombia. And I spent about a weekend for a lot of them, which is where my grandmother was. And so my mom was the one mostly taking care of her. And so I stayed in the hospital most days and just took care of her. But there was something that was plaguing my heart when it came to Alzheimer's and dementia. And this was my thought. I, I really was thinking, is it possible that if my grandma forgets about everything and everyone, that she forgets about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was my question. And then, if she does forget about Jesus, does she still have faith? Okay? Is she's still saved? <laughs> that really worried me. So one of the things I really wanted to do is, when I came, I really wanted to make sure that she knew Jesus. Now you have to see my grandmother's state. You know, at first when Alzheimer hits or dementia, like, you know, they kind of forget things here and there. They kind of run off and just kind of, they don't know where they are. Um, They might forget you, but my grandmother was in such a place where she was kind of out of it. Like, I'm gonna try to imitate her so you can just kind of have a picture, but she would just kind of sit and just kind of be like. And then she like, oh, hi, you know, like it just kind of come to her sense and they just kind of go off. And so uh, when I got to the hospital, she was on the hospital bed, um, looked older than I had ever that I could remember. And she was just, uh, again, spaced out. And I was there, I was like, Grandma, I will try to talk to her, but she was just the whole time like, just kind of like spaced out. And so I was praying for her, kind of holding her hand, kind of cleaning her forehead, her face. Um, But I was praying for her, I felt, kind of mustered the courage to kind of ask her. I don't know why, like I really wanted to make sure that she remembered Jesus. And so I asked her in Spanish. I said, um, you know, Grandma, do you remember Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, she was spaced out and I was standing on this side and she looked at, looked at me straight in my eyes and she said in Spanish, for sure, <laughs> she gave me a smirk. In Spanish, she said, Seguro. <laughs> and then she went like. <laughs> and I had the same reaction. I didn't know if I should cry or laugh, you know? It was kind of funny, but then I was just crying. But I was crying because, number one, I felt like I was asking my prayers, my God. Number two, it was so powerful for me at that moment to witness. <coughs> what it looked like for the Holy Spirit to bear witness that she was a child of God. Because even though cognitively her mind wasn't there, she was still able to answer the question and then still go back, her brain was not there. And so, but then I started repenting because I realized it hit me, even though I knew this, it hit me at that moment. I was like, of course she's yours. Of course you're gonna keep her, because you are a God that remembers your covenant with his people. Even if she can't remember, even if she won't remember, you do. That's the God that we believe, that is the God that we have. He's a God that remembers, even if she couldn't remember. And today I wanna spend some time talking about an encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus. And the connection this has with how much God always remembers his covenant with his people. And so let's read the passage in Luke chapter 19, verses one through 10. Beginning in verse one, the word of the Lord says, and he and Jesus entered Jericho, and he was just passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they, the crowd, saw it, they all grumbled. He has, gone into, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said, and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded, you remember that word from this morning, any one of anything I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. As we look at verse one, and we begin here in verse one, the Bible tells us that Jesus was just passing through um, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. And um, he is literally on his way after he had just had an encounter with a rich young ruler that we were looking at this morning. And when Luke is writing the gospel, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it is not coincidental that he is wanting people to make sure that they understand who this guy is. He wants, he describes him, just like he described the rich young ruler, he described Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector. And he wants to describe that as a man who was rich. And there's an intentionality of Luke here because this morning there was a chief, there was, sorry, there was a rich man who was a Pharisee, a young ruler, but now he is a rich man who is considered the chief tax collector, or for all intents and purposes, a chief of sinners. And Luke wants to draw a contrast here between the rich young ruler and this man here named Zacchaeus. And there's a question that was posed with the rich young ruler. After that encounter, the rich young ruler leaves, sad and disheartened, as we read this morning, a question arises. Jesus makes a statement and he says this, oh, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Remember that verse? And then, what do the disciples say? He said, the disciples asked the question, shoot, who can be saved? <laughs> that's, that's what he's saying, because If they can't be saved, then how how are we, right? And so, and this also has to do with more status. And of course, Jesus makes this very famous statement and he says this, with man is what? Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, what Jesus is about to do, he's about to answer that question with Zacchaeus. Can it be possible for a rich man to be saved? And in Zacchaeus, God makes... The impossible possible and so he wants to answer that question and he, Luke is very intentional in making sure that this is going to happen at this moment he's going to answer that question another thing that I want us, that I want us to consider when it comes to Zacchaeus is that Zacchaeus the encounter of Jesus and Zacchaeus is happening right before the crucifixion of Jesus. As soon as Zacchaeus' encounter ends, Jesus going, is into the triumphal entry, which is Palm Sunday, which we celebrate. So keep that in mind. Okay, so Zacchaeus is introduced as a chief, the chief of sinners, a rich man. And then verse three tells us that this rich man, Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but he wasn't able to, because on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. In Korean, you say, <laughs> Okay? And he was short, okay? He, 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 he just couldn't, you know? Okay? And so, here's here's Zacchaeus. He wants to see Jesus, okay? Now, I want you to picture, you know, what's, What's going on here? Not only is he short, and you'll never see Zacchaeus the same again, okay. (laughs) Not only is he short, but I want you to picture the social stigma that is happening here as well. He is short, he can't really see Jesus, but can you imagine also Zacchaeus trying to go through the crowd them feeling that they are more worthy to be closer to Jesus than this sinner. Now imagine the kids trying to go to the crowd and people, we just read, the people are grumbling. They're looking at Zacchaeus and you can imagine how they're thinking, what is this man doing here? Who does he think he is that he has any right to see Jesus or has an encounter with Jesus or get close to Jesus before us? We the crowd we're not sinners like this guy is and the question is similar to this morning what gets in your way from seeing jesus is it your perception of yourself the perception of others of who you are or is it the perception that jesus has of you is it your sin your reputation what gets in the way of you seeing or encountering jesus for zacchaeus it was a crowd for zacchaeus it was this impediment, maybe, of that he was short in stature? But what impedes you from having to encounter seeing Jesus? Was it it what is it for you? But notice Jesus' reaction, he does not let that be a hindrance. Because in verse 4, the Bible tells us that he runs ahead and climbs up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. Now, I want you to picture this. Jesus walking by, all the crowd is around him. The disciples, then the crowd. Now Zacchaeus, he has to really get ahead. So I can imagine, uh, this might be funny, but I was imagining him with his short little legs, kind of running really, really fast, (laughs) trying to go past the crowd, so he can go as far up ahead as possible, so he can climb a tree and see Jesus coming. Now you can imagine him just kind of waiting for Jesus to get there. And I'm trying to imagine Jesus, This is just my imagination. I'm trying to imagine Jesus, he knows what's going on, right? So he's probably sees Zacchaeus kind of going, (laughs) little Lionel Messi, you know? And I just kind of like, I'll get there, Zacchaeus. I just kind of imagine that. Can you imagine the crossing? What is a sinner running ahead? But what's important here is what Zacchaeus does. Now, Zacchaeus is a rich man. He's a man of status. Rich people, they, ju- they just don't climb trees, <laughs> okay? Sorry, if you're rich and you climb trees, that's okay. <laughs> but rich people don't just climb trees. What Zacchaeus is doing here, he's doing something that is considered undignified. He's doing something here that it's not on par with his social status. It reminds me of King David. Do you remember the story of King David? The Ark of the Covenant comes into Israel. That symbolizes the presence of God. I almost spoke in Spanish. <laughs> that symbolizes the presence of God. And King David comes out to dance with the women when the presence of God is coming in through the Ark. And he disrobes, is it disrobe or unrobes? Disrobes. Dis-robe. Okay, thank you. He disrobes himself. He does not look like a king. And he's just like dancing. And do you remember his wife's reaction? How can the king do such a thing, and such an embarrassing thing? What is his response? If, if I could become even, I will be, for God, I will become even more undignified than this. In other words, the similarity here is that their, statu- their, their status didn't matter when I came to Jesus. They weren't holding on to the social status, Zacchaeus wasn't holding on to the social status. His eyes were so fixed on Jesus that it didn't matter if he was rich. He didn't care how dignified he looked. All he wanted one thing, he wanted Jesus. He wanted to encounter Jesus. Everything else, he was willing to leave behind. And we know that in in his desire to see Jesus, to his surprise, Jesus wants to see him too. And then it goes further, not only does Jesus wants to see him, he wants to stay in his house. And so here's Zacchaeus on the sycamore tree waiting for Jesus. Jesus sees him ahead. Jesus walks by and he says, if, I, if Jesus was Puerto Rican, he'll say, boy, come down. <laughs> but that's the way he says, of course, he's not Puerto Rican. He says, looking up, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay. Another word for that. I must abide. I must remain at your house today. Now, if you knew what the name Zacchaeus means, which I'll tell you (laughs) soon, it makes this statement all that more powerful because Zacchaeus means righteous. Mm -hmm. It means pure. Think about this. He was a chief of sinners, known as a chief tax collector for most of his life. When people are saying his name Zacchaeus, righteous, pure, his lifestyle does not match his name. He is known as the chief of sinners by all the crowd. And when Jesus is up there and he calling on his name, he is calling him righteous and pure in front of all the crowd that sees this man as a sinner of sinners. There's a very important statement that Jesus is making here when he's calling out to Zacchaeus. Can you imagine? Righteous, pure, come down, for I wanna stay and abide and remain at your house today. And unlike the rich young ruler, who uh, when he encountered Jesus, he leaves in a sad way. Zacchaeus, he hurries up, he comes down and receives Jesus Joyfully. Do you see the distinction here? One leaves sad and disheartened. The other one stays, remains, and receives Jesus with joy. His status didn't matter anymore. Whether he looked undignified or not, it didn't matter anymore. There was one thing that he wanted that was Jesus. And Jesus is calling him righteous. Now the crowd is witnessing this encounter and they are not happy. They start grumbling. Who oh, 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 oh. oh, this thing is? Yes. doesn't Jesus know? And the Bible tells us probably the disciples heard some of the things that the crowd were saying, And then they say this, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, typically, when on Sunday afternoons you might invite somebody for lunch or you might go out for dinner. And it's very common for us to go have dinner with somebody and it's very casual, it can be very casual, right? You go and have dinner. But it for these people, going into a person's house to have dinner was more than just dinner or staying, it was fellowship, it was relationship. Jesus said, saying that he wants to stay at his house and you have to think, Jesus is not just staying at his house alone. His disciples are with him. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And so for the people, they're not thinking he's just gonna stay over at his house and be hosted. What they're thinking is Jesus wants to enter into a fellowship relationship with this man. That is unheard of. You do not relate with sinners. But Jesus doesn't care what the crowd wants. Zacchaeus doesn't care about what the crowd thinks. What he wants is Jesus, and what Jesus wants is him. He wants a relationship with this sinner. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be in community and fellowship with you. Now Zacchaeus, I want you to think about the difference here between Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler. The Bible says in verse eight that Zacchaeus stood and he immediately says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Notice that he immediately admits his sin. Unlike the rich young ruler who, tries to, who does not admit his sin, he can't even see it. This Zacchaeus, he immediately moves into a place of repentance. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded, kept back more than what I should... He goes further, Any one of anything I restored fourfold. You have to understand what just happened here. This repentance of Zacchaeus is completely genuine because if you understand what the requirement of the law is here, you realize what Zacchaeus had done. You see, the requirement of the law is that in Numbers chapter five verses five, six and seven, or verse six and seven, I can't remember, but in Numbers chapter five, the Bible says that when a person steals somebody, they're supposed to restore it in full and then add to that one-fifth. That's all Zacchaeus has to do, but that is not what he does. He says that he wants to give half of what he has, and on top of that, restore it not one, not one-fold and with one-fifth, but fourfold. That's beyond the requirement of the law. There is a sense, there's a contrite heart, and there is a sense in Zacchaeus of true repentance that he wants to actually act upon it. The rich man actually repents, and he wants to go beyond the requirement of the law. And the question is, how can he go beyond the requirement of the law? Because a rich young ruler this morning, he thought he just kept the law, but he didn't. But here's Zacchaeus, also a rich man, going beyond what the law required. How can he do that? He had an encounter with Jesus. You see, for many of us, when it comes to following Christ and obeying Christ, it seems impossible. But it is possible upon encountering Jesus. When Jesus goes before us, when he is at the center and he's abiding And everything that we do. The disciples here are witnessing before their eyes the impossibility becoming possible. In other words, Zacchaeus becomes the camel going through the eye of a needle. That's what's happening here. And you might think based on what we talked about this morning, you might be thinking about all the things that are holding you back. Things that you are keeping That you're defrauding God, maybe others, you're withholding from God. And you're looking at it, and you're looking at your circumstances, and you think this is impossible. I can't do it. The truth is, yes, you can't. (laughs) But with Jesus, it's possible. With God, all things are possible. You can become also that camel that goes right through the eye of the needle regardless of how you feel about yourself, regardless of what the enemy says about you, the lies that are here in your mind, what other people think of you, what matters is what Christ thinks of you. What matters is what he calls you. He calls you righteous, he calls you pure. Now in verse nine, Jesus makes a statement. This man that you think is a sinner and unworthy of having a relationship with me, today salvation has come to his house, because he is a son of Abraham, meaning he is a son of a covenant. That's what Jesus is saying. Zacchaeus is, has the same right to the covenant of God than the Pharisee that I just had an encounter with. He has the same right. He is a son of Abraham. I have come to save people like him. I have come to enter into relationship with people like him. He's talking about covenant here. And he's remembered this covenant that God has made with his people. And he makes this very famous statement, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Mm -hmm. Jesus is right now answering that question. Can God make the impossible possible? Mm -hmm. Yes, he can. But it gets even better. If you take a step back, and you try to look at the story of Zacchaeus within the context of the Gospel of Luke, and then within the context of the whole Bible, it's very powerful. So let me explain it to you. (laughs) Zacchaeus is the very last one-on-one ministry that Jesus does in the book of Luke. He culminates the ministry of Jesus. As soon as he closes his ministry with Zacchaeus, with this statement, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. He goes into the triumphal entry and then his crucifixion. That's how he closes his ministry. And then boom, he dies on the cross. But the way the scripture ends connects very well with the way, the way the scripture ends connects very well with the way it starts. Did you know that the book, the Gospel of Luke is the only gospel that does not start with Jesus? It starts with another family, the family of who? Anybody know? John, uh, Juan el Bautista, John the Baptist. Uh, but they are introduced by their father. Do you remember his father's name? Zachariah. Zachariah. I should do a quiz. Okay. What's a mom? What's John's mom's name? Oh, everybody's trying to like. I want to win. I want to win. Okay. <laughs> There's no Mexicans here, okay? You're okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. Only Puerto Ricans, okay, okay. It's okay. Wait, huh? <laughs> so, now, okay. this is very intentional, by the This is very intentional. Do you know what the name Zachariah means? Anybody? <laughs> it remembers, rem- it rem- it, it re- it, sorry. I'm talking in Spanish right now. <laughs> It means, and I'm still on East Coast time. (laughs) It means remembered of Jehovah. Do you know what Elizabeth means? It means oath of God. Do you know what John means? It means God is a gracious giver or a giver of grace. When you take this family that Luke begins the Gospel of Luke with, and you put their names together, it means Jehovah remembers his covenant of grace. Amen. And he begins a Gospel of a Book like that. And he's writing this Gospel to a man named Theophilus, and he says, I'm writing all of these things and all of these accounts so that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And he begins to build this bridge Between the old covenant of the Old Testament and then the new covenant with Christ. And then he begins to, he presents his family, he introduces his family with John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord, making this statement. This covenant that God made in the Old Testament is about to be revealed right now because he is a God that remembers his covenant of grace. And as soon as he introduces this family, Zacchaeus, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, then Jesus is introduced as the one who fulfills Jehovah remember the covenant of grace. And then the way Jesus introduces himself is how he's going to fulfill this covenant of grace that God remembers. And in Luke chapter four, very famous passage, he walks into the temple, reads a passage and from the book of Isaiah and in chapter four, verse 18 through 19, this is what he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He closes that score and say, today this scripture is fulfilled. In other words, what Jesus is doing when he starts his ministry is saying this, I have come as a son of man to seek and save the lost. And he closes his ministry by saying, I have come to seek and save the lost even someone like Zacchaeus. Jehovah has remembered his covenant of grace and sent his son. Now, the word remember is a word in Hebrew called zakar. Or zakar. It's not in Spanish. Sakar means to take out. This is zakar. Okay? The crazy thing is that the root word of Zacchaeus also comes from the word Zakar, just like Zachariah and he's beginning and ending the ministry of Jesus with a very similar um, with, with a ver- a bringing some continuity with this idea that God remembers now the question becomes what is this new covenant about? What is a promise made in scripture when it comes to what God is remembering? And it's found in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 34. And here's a passage in verse 31, because this is the new covenant that God is remembering through Christ. And it begins like this in verse 31, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. No, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I will succor their sin no more. This covenant that God remembers of grace it's very important, but it's just as important what he remembers about the covenant of grace. But we have to explain what this word remembers because it doesn't mean that he forgets. That's not what we, what what, not remembering our sins. So, so God does not forget your sin. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you did this morning. He knows what you did last week. He doesn't forget as much as you don't forget. But he chooses not to remember. Now what does that mean? It means to not recall or bring to mind. And the best way I can explain it is like this. For those who are married, you, can, you have to say yes. this. this yes. question. <laughs> How many of you have fought with your wife a lot? Like a really big fight? Okay. Some people are lying. <laughs> okay. How many of you have fought with your siblings? How many of you still fight with your siblings? Okay. How many of you have fought with your parents? Oh, yeah. everybody. <laughs> have you ever gone into a fight? And you're talking about something stupid. Like where the toilet paper goes over or over. <laughs> no, That's a very serious fight, right? That's a really Whether the hanger goes in or it goes out. <laughs> I know what you're fighting about. <laughs> that was my fight with my buddy. But have you, ever, have you ever fought with somebody and you're arguing about this and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we're in 2023 and they're like, because in 2016, I remember, when I walk in that restaurant, you forgot to get me dessert. <laughs> Who do you think you are? What are you talking about? It happened seven years ago. I don't care. You, remember, you know, you've done that, you've experienced that, right? You're talking about something, and all of a sudden you start fighting about something happened 10 years ago. That's zakar. (laughs) It's when you recall or you remember a sin that somebody committed and you hold it over their head. That's what God doesn't do. You see, this covenant of grace, this new covenant, what the Bible is saying is that what it means that God does not remember your sin anymore is that in Christ, He doesn't hold it over your head you might hold it over your own head. There are things that God already forgave you that you're still holding on to. But what the Bible is saying is that in this new covenant, he does not hold that over your head. We do that, but God doesn't do that. In fact, instead of holding your sin over your head, what he does is that he calls you Zacchaeus. He calls you righteous. Very different. We hold that over our head. The enemy holds that over our head but not God, not in Christ. If you are in Christ, he remembers your sin no more. And there's a beautiful picture of this in the book of Zechariah the prophet, in Zechariah chapter three, verses one through four, and how this covenant is applied. And it begins in verse one. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity or your sin away from you. I have forgiven you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. See, upon encountering Jesus, what God does is he takes away your sin and he places on you the righteousness of Christ. In other words, when God looks at you, He's not looking at you with your sin. He's looking at you in the same right standing that Jesus stands before the Father. That's how He looks at you. And our motivation to keep coming to the Lord, to keep abiding in Christ, to do everything in our life so He abounds in every aspect of our life, it stands on this. That He sees it in the right standing with God. I was briefly sharing yesterday if you caught this, that I didn't, I didn't understand this until about two or three years later on in my life. I thought, you know, when about, you, know, you know, have you ever, have you, have you ever been asked this question? How are you doing spiritually? <laughs> all right? What do you say? Most of the time, you say what? Good. Yeah. Now, what's the basis of your good? I read the Bible, yeah. <laughs> right? If I prayed, you know, That's the I've been coming to church. I came to church for two Sundays in a row. <gasps> wow, praise the Lord. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Okay. But the basis of your good is what you're doing. When I was young and I was trying to sing this song, it is well with my soul. I was singing it on the basis of what I felt I was doing for God. I felt I was doing well and I was well, it was well with my soul because of what I was doing before the Lord. But when I felt like I wasn't keeping up with that requirement or when I wasn't doing well, meaning I wasn't doing what I thought I was supposed to do, I wasn't singing the song anymore. I felt I couldn't sing it was well with my soul. Until the Lord spoke to me and reminded and it really taught me, it's not well with your soul because of what you do. It's already well with your soul because of what I have done. You're righteous because of me. It is wrong with your soul because of how I see you now and because of how you stand before God the Father. The fact that God remembers his covenant of grace is, more, is very important, but what is even more important than what he actually remembers. He remembers that you stand as a righteous person before the Father if you are in Christ. But you need Christ. You need Jesus. You have to be in him. And he does not hold sin over your head. Now your circumstances might look impossible, but my prayer is that as you look at the story of Zechariah, especially after looking at the story from this morning, the rich young ruler, is that you realize that no matter how impossible your situation might seem, no matter how impossible your sin might look like, the things that you struggle with, God is saying it is possible with me. I can bring you freedom. I can help you overcome. And even though Monday comes after Sunday, which is where the retreat ends, I will sustain you, I will keep you, I will hold you because I want to stay at your house. I want to abide with you, and I want to remain in you. And that is the heart that Christ has for you. So remember, He is the God that remembers His covenant of grace. So I want us to really spend some time praying And as a worship team ushers us into God's presence for the time of worship, as we think about what it means to remember in this, remember the covenant of grace and what the Lord has done for us.